0: They called us non-essential. And I think comedians are very essential, but governments tend to hate being criticized, especially if it ends with a big laugh because that's the crowd agreeing with this idiot who (laughs) happens to be me. As a stand-up comedian, your brand starts to be which jokes are hitting the hardest. We're skilled samurai warriors. We're going to come in there and slice it up. We're actually cultural warriors, and we're trying to just bring it back to the middle and have a real conversation. Headquarters will pay for a comedian to come make us laugh, and it's still a turning point event. We want in. I'm like, yes.
1: Welcome to the Thought Leader Revolution with Nikki Balou. Join the revolution. There's never been a better time in history to speak your truth, find your freedom, and make your fortune. Each week, we interview the world's top thought leaders and learn the secrets of how they built a six- to seven-figure practice. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice. Welcome to another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. I'm your host, Nikki Balu, And boy, do we have an exciting guest lined up for you today. Today's guest is one of the funniest men on the planet. He also happens to be a staunch champion for freedom, for free expression, and for making fun of the powerful, tweaking their noses, and making the rest of us laugh at their foibles. And I love that about him. And he happens to share the same name as my eldest son. I am speaking, of course, of none other than the one, the only, the
0: legendary k Thank you. What an what an honor to be here. I am very excited. And uh, I can only imagine with that energy, are we going to be able to keep it up for the next 30 minutes?
1: That's what I <laughs> it's an honor to have you on the show. You and I have had a few conversations. You've actually done a couple of corporate gigs for my clients and I, which I really appreciate. And I brought you here because... I like you and I like your message and I want my audience to get to know who you are. But my audience, let me tell you who they are. They happen to be entrepreneurs. These are the men and women that have the courage to dream and dream big. They are believers in freedom. They are believers in free expression. They are believers in free enterprise. They listen to this show because they want to learn from everybody and they're going to learn from you too. But before they can open their hearts to you, their souls to you, they got to get to know you. How'd you get to be? The great cable
0: well it's actually very simple um when you get into stand-up comedy persians will not support you at all so you either got to go all the way in or don't do it at all go to something more comfortable real estate maybe selling bmws or be- become a doctor so when i got into stand-up comedy i decided i'm gonna just kind of shrug off all the criticism go all the way in and it's uh it's, it builds a very thick skin. So later in life, when the rules are changing for comedy and they say, don't joke about this, don't talk about that. This is off limits. Um, you've already created a monster. You can't put it back in the box. I love
1: it. I love it. I love it. I love it. So Kayvon, tell us a little bit about what made you decide to go into up comedy in the first place.
0: Well, it's uh, something in school. When my teachers were talking, I was thinking of punchlines and jokes, things I wanted to say. I would go home and watch David Letterman. I'm like, how do you have that job? Jay Leno, George Carlin. These were my favorites. So I said, you know what? I want to stand up there, hold the microphone and tell stories that make crowds laugh. I didn't know how to do that. So I would just write jokes in the back of my textbooks. And, uh, and I'm like, they were all horrible. They could never be used, but that was the first step. Then you get to California. There's a lot of comedy clubs. You beg to go on stage and they say, no. The first place you're gonna perform is in a taco shop. Uh, they put a little microphone in the corner. You're gonna perform at a sports bar. The Lakers are playing right above your head. And your job is to try to make people not throw a chicken wing at you. That's how you know you're killing. And eventually, of course, you move on to doing the comedy clubs. They don't pay much, but it looks cool to have your name on the marquee. Then you go to doing cruise ships, which kind of it's not as cool to the comedians, but it's a, it's a $3,000, $4,000 a week paycheck. All you can eat food. You're seeing the Bahamas or Seattle or Vancouver, you know, so the comedy can take you around the world if you get to a point where you're marketable
1: amazing 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 so you did that all right you've done all that stuff and you've actually even created film right you've actually made a film so cave what is it about comedy my friend that inspires you to get up day in and day out especially in these crazy politically correct
0: woke times that's been a challenge first of all they shut down the country for two years so comedy wasn't even allowed they called us non-essential and i think comedians are very essential but governments tend to hate being criticized especially if it ends with a big laugh because that's the crowd agreeing with this idiot who (laughs) happens to be me and the politicians like to be the most important idiot in the room they don't want me competing for that that role and um you know what it's in it's in my dna um if, if being, if woke people scared me, I would have never got into comedy. That's kind of what I was saying up front. My dad already said, don't do this. I did it. Uh, my parents said, I'm not going to talk to you. If you do this, I did it. My friends stopped coming to my shows because I wasn't very good. And I would try to make jokes and look stupid. So by the time you get sufficient and Excel at stand-up comedy, and then the government tells you, don't joke about this it, the genie's out of the bottle, um, and now we're we're skilled samurai warriors. We're going to come in there and slice it up. I make fun of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and Justin Trudeau. I don't know what kind of words I'm allowed to say on your podcast. Well, so <laughs> I have a nickname for him. It's one of the best ever made. Um, the point being is we skewer whatever's happening, current events. A, a good comedian will, will skewer current events. Uh, you don't want me going up there and be like, Remember Bill Clinton? I did not have segment. That's not top topical. It's not interesting. So I do Dr. Fauci. I do a lot of that. I do Chris Cuomo who just got kicked out of New York. Couldn't believe it. And I used to do a good Kamala Harris impression. I did a great Kamala Harris impression, but as I've gotten older, I can't get my legs that far back anymore. So I have to uh, cut that one out of the room.
1: Oh, he came on, man. I tell you what, as a good Persian boy myself, that that was that, that was a little uncomfortable. I'm not gonna lie. The Camel Harris one, but the rest of them were pretty funny.
0: <laughs> That's what we do. So comedians, we go from PG all the way to anything goes, and we just go along the line until someone goes, hey, and we go, all right, we can back it off a notch. And what the radical left wants to do is just for oh, you made a mistake, you're fired, you're canceled, you'll never work again. Yeah.
1: I mean, the hell with that, man. You're one of the funniest people I've ever heard in my life. I, I, I went online and I found a bunch of your clips. You were making jokes about, uh, about Persians, Persian women, Persian aunts, Persian moms, Persian cooking. You talked about how you, you got this role on this, on this, I don't know, this show where yep. you told him you could make, uh, Zeresh Polo and, and Jujek kebab and, 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 and I'm like, Cool. I'm up for that, man. And the girls are, what's that? What's that? What's that? I thought that was awesome.
0: Well, my original stand-up was about myself. So no one can criticize you and tell you, boo, your joke sucks. That didn't happen. If it's about your aunt, your dad, your family. So anyone that wants to get into comedy, tell personal stories your first three years. Cause while you're learning to hold the mic, be under the lights, make strangers laugh, you might as well cut that part out where you're trying to Teach the audience a lesson about politics or something, forget it. You're not good enough yet. So I would joke about my Persian heritage, Persian food, me looking stupid, trying to cook Zereshk polo and jujay uh, kebab. And my humor then went to the college realm, which is kind of PG 13, PG 17 jokes. And now my humor has kind of evolved to, like I said, making fun of you know, the current events, wearing masks, following science, no matter where that science leads you, and those kind of jokes.
1: Yeah, but, but, but uh, Dr. Fauci said, I am science. I, I am, am the... science. I am science. And I'm like, really?
0: I've never seen science in the person of someone's body before. <laughs> well, one of my first jokes when I came out from the pandemic was – if you paid attention to Dr. Fauci, his first interview, he said, you don't need a mask. And in his second interview, he says, everybody needs a mask. And his third interview, he said, two masks are better than one. And I, and I realized people were arguing about how many masks they needed. And that means people technically were mask debating in public. <laughs> awesome. But awesome. um As a comedian, it's really hard to to be funny in a podcast scenario where you're saying I'm funny. I think I'm funny, but your audience, they might have some doubts. So with your permission, I wanted to show two minutes of a comedy clip filmed in an actual stand-up comedy club. Do we have permission? Permission granted. Rock and roll, brother. (laughs) All right. Let's see if this works with our technology. Go. I feel good. I know I'm getting older, but I'm not old. And there's little signs that we're getting older every day. Like when you go to buy a flight. You have to pick the year you were born on that stupid spin dial. Yeah, I used to not mind. I see some young people. You don't mind. You're right there on the default. There I go. <laughs> There's my birthday. That was me not long ago. But lately, it's been a little bit of a brr. <laughs> I don't like that brr. And <laughs> like some of you are laughing. You're brr, aren't you? Your arms are crossed. <laughs> because young people have good lives. We have a bad memory to go with every single one of those years. <laughs> oh, that's when the stock market crashed. Should have sold my home there. That's when you know who got elected. We all have a bad memory. <laughs> but be positive. Uh, you know who I feel bad for? My grandmother. I had to buy a flight for her. That was like I was on The prices Right. Wow. <laughs> got on the wheels. just <laughs> <laughs> We went and had lunch, came back. It was still spinning. So that's kind of how my standup goes. I try to incorporate the audience, poke at someone every minute or two and then bring it back. And that's how you keep 300 people focused on you the whole time. I love it. I love it. You know, I never realized how much Dr. Fauci
1: sounded like Yoda from the Empire (laughs) Strikes Back until you started doing your
0: impression of him. Mask you must wear. Yeah, Yeah. I do. Uh, For me, Dr. Fauci is kind of between Yoda and Gilbert Gottfried. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Rest in peace. But uh, yeah, so it's been, it's been a great journey and I told you that comedy starts in the taco shops and the sports bars it gets to the comedy clubs then you go to cruise ships but uh, if you can um, or you go to small theaters and then the highest levels is when you're doing specials like the one you just watched and then you're selling tickets where they're like we can't we just gave you five nights in a row in orlando and you sold out all the seats so you need to get a small theater or an arena or if you're like one of 10 medians in the world stadiums they can actually put a hundred thousand butts in the seats Kevin Hart, Gabriel Iglesias, maybe Joe Coy. There's like, you can count the names on one hand, basically. So what
1: about Dave Chappelle? Can he fill a stadium?
0: He could if he wanted to. You know, he, he, his, his style is storytelling. He likes to sit on that stool, grab that glass of scotch, and be like, well, did you see what happened the other day? And then every once in a while, he'll get up and do something hilarious. Whereas Kevin Hart, he, his style Plays nicely to a stadium. He'll put himself on a screen, be like, "Y'all see what happened? Look at his head. He got an afro. Uh, uh-uh, I don't like the afro. Ah!" And so that kind of crazy energy plays better in a in a stadium scenario.
1: Yeah, I love Kevin Hart, man. I think he's incredibly funny, and his crazy energy is really great. It's one of the things that makes me want to watch his comedy specials and 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 his movies and. You know, I also love the fact that when he wanted to host the Oscars and the woke mob came after him, he basically politely told them to go pee up a rope, you know, and and, and he didn't didn't cater to them. He didn't apologize and grovel for the chance to to go and do that, man. And I just thought that took cojones, as my Spanish speaking friends would say, took real cojones.
0: Yeah, it really did. Uh, that was something he dreamed of doing. Every entertainer, that's kind of one of the keys. It's like go to the White House as a comedian and meet the president, host the, uh, at the Oscars and maybe have a couple one-hour specials on Netflix or HBO. These are the three or four things you want to do. So when they took it from him, because of a very funny joke from 2010. Uh, He said, I came home and my son was playing with a dollhouse. I was like, no! So I took the dollhouse and I smashed it over his head. That way, you know, he wouldn't turn out to be like a girl or whatever, grow up to be like a girl. And when they canceled him for that, I thought, well, there goes my chance to host the Oscars because I have a very similar joke. My dad is Iranian. And an Iranian born in the 50s or the 40s is not gonna have the same sensibility as an american lgbtq who was born 18 years ago in San francisco so growing up my dad did not want me to dress like my mom and i have a joke on stand-up he says don't ever dress like your mom if you dress like mom your doo falls off <laughs> and so that's how he taught us so that was our iron is if you put on your mom's high heels and a dress this thing will fall off and now you've become a, a, not allowed
1: and honestly that's a pretty tame joke from my perspective but yeah in this day and age man that thing could get you canceled 16 ways to sunday you know and and, and it that's it, it's just ridiculous and, and i think why comedy is crazy it is good it is crazy but i'll tell you why comedy is important to me comedy is important to me because comedy is one of the places where you can make fun of the powerful comedy is one of the places where you can just let off steam by saying something that makes us laugh at ourselves. And if you can't laugh at yourself, who can you laugh at? I mean, I'm Persian. I love it. When you tell Persian jokes, you know what I'm saying? Um, I happen to have uh, you know, a big nose. I love it when people tell jokes about people with big noses. Imagine if I got offended about that. The way some of these woke type of people get offended if you heaven forbid were to tell a joke about somebody in the alphabet community or you were heaven forbid you tell a joke about some minority other than Persians. Because apparently you can tell jokes about Persians and Middle Eastern people. Right. But, you know, it's it's just crazy. We should all be able to laugh at ourselves, just gently poke fun at each other. There's a big difference between gently poking fun at somebody
0: and being an out and out bigot. Just a huge difference between those two. The left doesn't like nuance. And another thing is uh, you're comfortable with yourself and where you're at in life. So if I make a little fun of you, it's really, it's a nice time. But the people who are the most uncomfortable with themselves, they don't like who they are. They want you to be equal to them, which means they need to bring you down to their miserable level. And that's why comedy needs to end for them. That's why I always have just me walking in the room and grabbing the mic People that fall on that line of thought will already cross their arm. And if someone got up with a big earrings through their ears and a tattooed neck and face, they're kind of like leaning forward, like I'm ready to support this person. So they use comedy as a political thing, whereas we just use it to have fun and have a nice night of laughs.
1: Amen, amen. And uh, I got to say That's that- a
0: Very interesting dynamic.
1: And I got to say that I'm very interested and very excited about the fact that there's some people that are pushing back. I mean, I wrote a book with Wayne Allen Root called The Great Patriot Protest and Boycott Book. So we're pushing back against the woke mob with that. And then, you know, I also am really glad to see that there's some politicians who have cojones, including Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida, because that man, he is just unreal. The way he gets up and he stands up to people. Now, listen, this New bill he passed in Florida. Not this is a political show, but I just, it's a bill saying don't sexualize five year olds. Don't sexualize five year olds. I think that's a mainstream position everywhere. It's a mainstream position in the gay community. It's a mainstream position in the straight community. It's a mainstream position in all communities. But there are some crazy, crazy ass people, crazy and I mean insane who think, oh no, 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 we should be able to sexualize little kids and governor Ron DeSantis said nope not allowing that and all of a sudden when he's passed the bill saying hey you can't sexualize little kids the woke mob came after him and says no you're anti-gay he says no I'm not anti-gay I'm anti-sexualizing little kids and mm-hmm. you are messed up you are a pedophilic type of person if you believe in sexualizing little kids so screw off and then Disney got involved and they said well we're going to push back against this law And Governor DeSantis, unlike so many other politicians, didn't all of a sudden cower and cave and run. He said, oh, yeah, bring it, Disney, bring it. And Disney brought it, and he brought it back 10 times stronger. And now Disney just lost a multi, multi multi-million, hundreds of million dollars a year tax break that they have had in Florida for 55 years. And Mm -hmm. a whole bunch of other corporations, that's the part I like the best, are all of a sudden going, oh, oh, oh. We were afraid of the left, but we need to be more afraid of Governor Ron DeSantis because yeah. what he's going to do to us makes what the left is going to do to us look like a little little three-year-old kicking us in the ankles versus a guy with a machete taking our necks off, you know? <laughs>
0: Well, it's great. And uh, I own stock in Disney and I'm still happy that I went down 50, like 35, 40% from where it was, because I consider that just an offering to the uh, to the conservative gods. The reason is um, the left has pushed so far and got so much. And the term minority, it doesn't really hold weight because they acted like a majority. You had to do what they wanted. You had to talk how they wanted. You had to address them the way they wanted. So they act like a minority but attack like a majority. And we're, we're now pulling the curtain back and realizing they're a very small group. And if more people like DeSantis will push back, then we can have normal life. We still respect minorities. We still want them to have human rights, but we don't want them to bully us and hide behind the shield of, well, I'm LGBTQIAA plus. And you poke at you, you go, hey, come on. At the end of the day, it's it's gotta be a plurality. And you guys are not here to run the whole show, especially- when it comes to grooming little kids kids, that that was too far that
1: is that that was like honestly anybody who's in favor of that to me let's let's throw them in jail because they're a pedophile as far as i'm concerned throw them in jail and throw away the key and in some cases take their heads off with that proverbial sword you know it's not a bad idea uh, if somebody's in favor of that and actually acts on that that's messed up messed up stuff and i'll tell you a story for myself like i'm from iran i'm a christian from iran growing up in iran being a Christian, I had a lot of discrimination. Kids would beat me up because of the cross on my neck. Like I had to get tough fast and people would mm-hmm. constantly curse us and, uh, you know, attempt to uh, have our rights taken away in society because we were Christians. It was a thing, you know, and all over the world, right. if you're not from the main ethnic group in any country, and you're not from the main religion in any country. You're screwed. The level of discrimination that's going to come against you is real. It's intense. And it's real discrimination, i.e. you're going to lose job opportunities. You're going to possibly be thrown in jail and in some cases even lose your life over that ISIS. Here in North America, if someone says your identity in the wrong way, people are going to say, oh, my God, you're the most evil, hateful person. I'm going, you know what? You want to experience evil, hateful? I tell you what, we're going to go to Iran together and I'm just going to drop you in the middle of Al-Zadi Square in Tehran and I'm going yeah. to leave you for 24 hours. Then we'll talk. If you haven't been killed by then yet because of who you are, then right. come talk to me about, you know, discrimination and intolerance around the rest of the world versus here. And I was talking to some friends, on. The problem is people in the West have become so successful. They have no real problems anymore. So they're inventing problems. They're inventing problems because that's human nature. Without problems, we go crazy. So we create problems when there aren't.
0: We create them. That's a sign of the luxury of how well we're doing that we can have these kinds of problems as opposed to what food, shelter, beheadings. Um, You know, we're bent out of shape if someone, you know, calls us the wrong pronoun, you know, they, them, him, her. I I heard a funny one. Michael Jackson's pronouns were he, he so i like that one but uh i uh i actually there's a group of people so there's a lot of complainers you got the radical left and then you have the blm movement which does not understand science they don't understand data statistics they claim that the police are all racist just trying to kill them for their color and you can show them stats and go then why did the police kill more white people last year in america they go Well, they're still racist, but there's more white people. And I say, well, the police aren't just out shooting people. They're they're engaging in who's doing crime at the moment. So that throws people for a loop. And then there's a group of people called Karens. Have you heard of these Karens?
1: Yes. Yes. I have a good friend named Karen, so I'm kind of uncomfortable with that phrase. Yeah, I get what you're saying.
0: (laughs) Yes. uh, I don't like the phrase myself because they're just using like a white woman's name. It's a very racist term that the radical left uses. So anytime a a woman is paying attention to her apartment complex and uh, she goes, Hey, you don't live here. What are you doing? Coming in here? Um, They call her a Karen. They just want everyone to stop looking, stop snitching, stop telling on each other so that the left can do whatever they want it to do. Anyways, they don't like the eyeballs on them. So um, now we have in America, which I don't know if you have in Canada, The BLM, they can steal whatever they want. As long as it's under $950, there's no punishment for that. They can actually, just short of killing someone, go to court and just get let out because the jails are full and there's COVID. We would hate for them to get COVID in jail. So the left is pushing all this bad stuff and the judges are now on the left. The lawyers pushing it through are on the left and uh, they're just, they're getting away with murder. So uh, places like New York, San Francisco, Portland, Seattle, they're no longer safe places to be. And these are beautiful communities. They have all the potential in the world, but that pendulum went too far to the left and DeSantis, people like you were talking about myself, we're actually cultural warriors. And we're trying to just bring it back to the middle and have a real conversation. I do it through comedy. He does it through politics. You're doing it through podcasting and business.
1: Yeah, 100%. 100%. So, K-Von, let's switch topics off of this, as fascinating as this is, because my listener wants to hear about, you know, how you created this powerful brand, because inside of thought leadership, thought leadership essentially is about creating a well-regarded, well-known, powerful, personal brand, right? You have a powerful, personal brand. You are known as K-Von and you have K-Von Comedy, going on so so i want you to talk a little bit about how you've managed to create this powerful personal brand
0: for yourself as a stand-up comedian your brand starts to be which jokes are hitting the hardest so when i was doing jokes about my family i was meeting persians all over the world begging me to come to dubai come to uh thailand to tell there's persians all over and they just want to bring someone that's kind of like them to entertain them australia uh, Ireland. I mean, I've been all over. So the point is, um, "Thanks God became my first brand because that joke I did where my dad would walk in a room and say, "Thanks God, we are here. Thanks, Thanks God, God, we are laughing. <laughs> Name my comedy special Tanks God. Jokes are like tires. You can't keep running on the same joke for 30 years. So the brand, I keep that joke, but I also add new ones to it. And uh, lately, uh, one of my jokes, it has been about Joe Biden and how he... I go, guys, I have not done comedy in two years. So I might forget and mumble. I might stumble a point during this comedy show and the crowd laughs at that. And so one of the brands I have is Let's Go Brandon. And I have made a logo and put a little image there. And we're, we're looking for fun ways to market the shirt. We've sold thousands of shirts and you can't just say, hey, I have this shirt. So I wanna show a quick commercial that, that's everybody's head. And it looks like a real altercation Look, I'm on a flight. You don't even have to wear masks. Look at this guy's wearing a mask, dude. Oh my God, bro, I'm trying to set this row right here, man. You got a mask on? No, I don't, I'm not wearing a mask. You don't have to wear one. Dude, you got you to gotta wear a mask if you want to sit next to him, now. If I want to sit next to you? Yeah, yeah. I don't want to sit next to you. You don't need to wear a mask anymore. Federal mandate. Bro. <laughs> I'm filming you right now. I'm filming you too, I'm bro. Film, I'm, I'm filming film, you. I'm filming you. I'll you film don't. you. You can't make me. So what do you want to do about your mask? Man, you're too stupid to wear a mask with that shirt on, bro. My shirt, my shirt's fine. I love this shirt.
1: Terrible shirt. I can wear wear this mask. I'm not wearing
0: that, Miguel. Stop! I'm not putting that on. It's dirtier. You probably gave me some right now. With your mask. Those little clips—they've gotten five million views each. Wow! And 5 some
1: people—million views each.
0: 5 million and some people say I, I agree with the guy with the mask that idiot i hate his shirt i don't care about those people because another thousand people go where can i buy one of those i'm gonna wear that on the flight and hope i get in an argument too <laughs> oh
1: my god we'll definitely send us the clip we'll make sure we put it in the show notes man that's awesome
0: I will do that. I'll do it. We've, we've done it in different scenarios. So it's the same two idiots, me and my friend. And we argue at the water fountain. We argue at the massage chair. We argue in the mall and it's just so, and some people are like, I, this is fake. We don't ever reveal it's fake, but some people catch on quickly. Other people go after the third video. I'm starting to think these two know each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Really, really
1: <laughs> yeah, that was that, that was a, You sounded a little bit like Sheldon on Big Bang Theory. <laughs> the way you did that right now.
0: <laughs> That's right. So uh, so that's that's how you build a brand in a creative way. That's like almost guerrilla marketing, because if I would have made a commercial for my shirt, it wouldn't have gotten many views. But you show the guy wearing the shirt, getting in an argument. It looks kind of real. And uh, that got really natural uh, eyeballs on it.
1: You know, I think you could have a little bit of a side hustle over here teaching business people how to do some creative you know, marketing like that, do something funny to get some attention in their business. I was thinking to myself, how could I do that for what we do? You know, that'd be super cool if we could make that happen.
0: Well, people love these. Those are called basically the, those Karen videos where people are arguing with each other and they're filming each other. So I thought it was so preposterous that people are, we've lowered our stuff. (laughs) We've lowered ourselves to the point where we're filming each other and hating on each other. But now these two idiots, both are filming each other and now they're arguing about it. I just thought that was a cool dynamic.
1: It was a really cool dynamic. And I think something like that could apply to a whole bunch of people. You know, I mean, you could have it around, I don't know, somebody who's like drinking their favorite wine and guy guys saying, oh, you can't do that here. They got a mask on there. That could be kind of cool.
0: Something like that. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Or, you know, cannabis company. Oh, no, you can't do that. You can't take your mask off. That'd be that'd be cool. And, and, and other ways to create a little bit of a social dynamic like that, because that's playing off on. On what's going on in society right now, so there's still these these you know woke people around masks, wanting you to wear Mm -hmm. masks everywhere. So it's playing off on something that's topical, and it's also playing off on all that K energy. I don't even like using that word because, like, a good friend named Karen, she's my neighbor, she's the loveliest person you'd ever. Oh, they're great, yeah. So I can't use that because I I mean, she's she's a Karen and she's a love. When I think of Karen, I think of her, not 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 these people. So (laughs) you, you know, and you could have some, something going on like that. I think that's really powerful. So that's a powerful way to do some incredible personal branding. Okay.
0: And then, uh, the, the other side of it is reaching customers. So, uh, to build my brand, one thing I did is look, I go to a show. I know the purple hair girl with the two nose rings and the tattoos with, she's not going to like like me, maybe she will, but for the most part, probably not. So I started reaching out. Now I go to colleges, the college kids want to protest comedy, they just want to end comedy. So I started reaching out to the college Republicans or the college campus conservatives or the college liberals, true liberals, not left. And the liberals want comedy. They want free speech and they love mixing it up. They even like when the protesters come because then it gets more exposure for their channel. Like we got, pro, they get mad when it's only two protesters. So like that was lame for the other guy. We had 20 protesters. So you got to get your numbers up, you know? (laughs) So um, I reached out to them and I've started a little comedy tour on college campuses called the freedom of laughter tour instead of freedom of speech. And we've been having... Yeah. And, and it's been, there's a group called turning point USA. They probably have a few chapters in Canada, Charlie Kirk and his group, their headquarters, they've got donations coming in. They give speeches at every chapter and they're sick of giving the lecture on the economy or the lecture on Israel, Palestine conflict. They're like, wait, headquarters will pay for a comedian to come make us laugh. And it's still a turning point event. We want in. I'm like, yes.
1: (laughs) So it works. That's awesome. Hey, listen, I've been trying to get connected to Charlie Kirk. So if you know him, I'd love to get connected with him and, and, and move this, the, this deal forward, man. I think that's fantastic stuff that Kayvon, This is, this is a fantastic interview. I'm, I'm enjoying it uh, very, very much. And, you know, we, we like to basically tell people, uh, who are guests on our show, like yourself, to end off each show by giving what I call their top three expert action steps. These are your best pieces of life advice or even commercial and business advice that you recommend my listener take on to live life as the best version of themselves, to make more money,
0: to enjoy life and laugh more. So what say you? Well, for me, it's I've always kept it very simple. The four F's. I try to live my life with the four F's. Don't cringe. You don't know where this is going yet. The first F is be funny. The funnier I am, the more I can work, which helps me with my finances. So funny, finances. And I always want fitness to be there because I want to be able to live a long time and perform a long time. And to be honest, nobody wants to see the next 85-year-old out-of-shape comedian. So I have to look young. So that's why the finances... Is the third, and the final one is family. At the end of the day, it's going to be very lonely on the road, so you have to be in touch with family members, even your closest friends. That's family too. Fitness, funny, family, and finances. You got the four Fs. Things should be smooth from there.
1: Man, I love it. So, uh, you said fitness, funny, family, finances. Those are awesome, and those are four excellent expert action steps. So, listener, Kavon. Is the real deal. He's funny as all get out. What you need to do is go watch his clips on YouTube and and anywhere else he happens to be. Are you on places like Rumble as well?
0: Yeah, I got on Rumble, Rockfin, Facebook, YouTube, and Craigslist, Twitter, Tinder, Bumble, and Hinge. I'm on all the dating apps, all the social media apps, all the video on TikTok or Instagram, too.
1: I love it. I love it. So we're going to make sure that we put all that in the show notes, so people can come and, uh, and and you know check out your your stuff. Now, if they want to see your show or buy your book or buy your your let's go Brandon T-shirts, which you know I got to get one, but I want to sign one. So just you know you know we'll, we'll talk offline, so I, I get a one hand signed by you. How do they go ahead and do that?
0: Well, all that stuff is on my website. Vancouver is my first Canada date back in August, so I'm coming back to Canada finally.
1: You're coming in Canada, Vancouver. Are you coming to Toronto at any time?
0: Uh, Toronto is not on the books yet, but I would love to come back. We're going to try Vancouver. We'll see if I get arrested for coming in there for making fun of uh, Justin Trudeau. These are the tour dates as of now. So see, you know what? I'm going to be in Port Angeles tomorrow. All my Victoria friends, just come south. It's one ferry ride away. That's right there near Victoria. But anyways, these are the tour dates. SoCal. And then right down here is Vancouver. I haven't even added it to my list yet.
1: I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay. So we're going to make sure that people have all that and they can take advantage of that. Listener, Kayvon, the comedian, he is the real deal. This man is funny. This man is courageous. This man has built an incredible personal brand. Learn from him. Go to the show notes, check out his tour dates, buy his book, watch his video clips, anything he's got for sale, like the Let's Go Brandon t-shirts and other swag, buy it, buy it, buy it, buy it. I think you should have some special VIP swag that you personally sign and and sell at a higher price point. FYI. Okay. I think that's a great, what
0: I'm going to do is I'm going to give you guys the free ticket to come see me. All you listeners, you get the one free ticket. Then I'm going to try to upsell you. Nikki taught me how to do that.
1: Nice. Nice. I love it. I love it. All right. And and, let's, and that wraps up another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. we find out Yay. more about today's incredible guest, the one and only Kayvon, the namesake of my eldest son. Go to thethoughtleaderrevolution.com or go and check it out wherever you listen to this podcast. You know, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Audible, or Google Play. Until next time, listener, laugh, be funny, be fit, Work on your finances and be with your family. And I'll on a fifth F, be free, live free. Until I next time, goodbye.
0: Bye-bye.
1: This episode has been brought to you by ecircleacademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice.